Our second chance is possible. God says yes. The Bible is overflowing with examples. King David, the murderer, Samson, the philanderer, Peter, the unconverted Christian, and the list goes on and on. And examples outside the Bible? Well, there are many there also. I'm one of them. I'm talking about a second chance to board the bus bound for eternity. You say you're already on it, but are you sure about that? It's time to join your guide, Jim Ayer, for an exciting 12-episode journey into remodeling your life. You're going to discover that God's transforming power is real, and He's ready to provide that power to you. Now here's your guide, Jim Ayer, to take you on the journey of a lifetime, an amazing and dynamic experience with God. You know, I was a thief, an alcoholic, and a drug dealer when God reached into my heart and spoke to me. I became a Christian, but then I quit studying and taking time with God, spending quality time with Him. But our spiritual divorce was not finalized, so I continued to play church for years. Then God gave me a second chance. I was sitting in the church pew, listening to the preacher when a flash of conviction hit me. I realized that I was eternally lost unless I made a drastic change in my relationship with God. He wanted to become my very best friend. How would I respond? How would you respond? You know, my choice was clear-cut. God asked me if I wanted to join him on the journey of a lifetime. God's question really hit me, and I needed to give an answer. Should I stay where I was or go with God? Do I continue placing all of my time and energy into amassing money, houses, toys? and success, or do I begin placing God on the top of my priority list? Moses had been going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Pharaoh of Egypt, and finally Pharaoh said, I will let you go so that you may sacrifice to Jehovah your God in the wilderness. Only you shall not go very far away. Hmm, not go very far away? That's actually the difference between freedom and bondage. You can be a slave to the things of this world by holding on to the fancy car, the boat, the motorcycle, and at the same time, attempt to reach out and grasp at the heavenly prize. <laughs> I'm sure you'd consider it very strange to see an athlete carrying a suitcase all the way around the racetrack, trying to win a race, attempting to, to reach the finish line. Stupid, you say? Well. Of course, but many Christians are trying to do the same thing in spiritual matters. The question is, are you? Are you trying to keep your feet in, in both worlds and not travel too far toward God? The most precious gift in the universe can be ours for the asking. No matter how degenerate we have become, we merely need to raise our eyes heavenward, focus on the things of eternity, the things that really matter. Satan is always very happy to let us play church, as long as we don't get too serious about it, or especially the God of the church. Because the word church simply means those called out of the world by God to head in a new direction, to enjoy an unbroken friendship with him. You see, the devil says, hey, look, it's okay to look like a Christian and even attend church, 
but don't go too far. There's no reason to, to go overboard with this God thing. Besides, you don't want anyone thinking you're a radical, do you? <laughs> you see, Satan never gets worried when we're always making plans to leave Egypt, but we never actually do it. Please understand, life begins when we are freed from sin and slavery. The only way to be free is to point our eyes toward God, to make a commitment to Him and move our feet. We can't afford to pause for a moment and look back toward the old life in Egypt, the old life of sin, but that's exactly what I did. You see, God called me out of unbelievable darkness. And when he called me from the darkness to light, I mean, I was so excited. I was absolutely thrilled. I began spending so much time studying my Bible, so much time in prayer. I would go out early in the morning under a tree and pray to God maybe for an hour or so. I mean, it was absolutely delightful. But then along the way, I began looking at things of the world. I started into real estate. I got into the top 4% of all of Coldwell Banker agents in all of North America. I had my own radio talk show. I was, I was doing everything that people would say, oh wow, you're so successful. I was making a lot of money. I had my motorcycle, I had all the cars, I had property, real estate, lands. I virtually had it all. I was lobbying on Capitol Hill. The congressmen, the senators, I was rubbing shoulders with them on a regular basis. As the world looks at success, I was very, very successful. And I was, I was in church, you know, I was dressed nicely. Matter of fact, I was going to places preaching all the time. But you see, something had happened. There was a real difference because I was preaching without the power of the Holy Spirit. I had stopped praying. I had stopped really studying. Matter of fact, my, my study time was, was almost non-existent anymore. But I, I looked the part. I, I did everything just the way I was supposed to. I, as I traveled to places and I talked about Jesus Christ, why, why no one would probably know the difference unless you were someone sitting in the pew and you had that converted heart. You had totally left Egypt. You had your own experience with Jesus Christ and you'd be able to tell. But I doubt in my own mind that there was a lot of people who could tell because unfortunately, even today, there are many people who do not have that experience with Jesus Christ who do not spend that time on their knees in prayer and study with Jesus. One day, sitting in the church pew, all of a sudden the Lord said, Jim, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out all around you. You're never going to recognize it or receive it, however. Wow. All of a sudden that woke me up. I thought, Lord, what do I do? I talked with a friend of mine, orthopedic surgeon. He was having the same problems that I was having. We said, well, let's get together on a Friday evening. Let's study together. We got together on that Friday evening. He had gotten a hold of a, a Bible study that we had to commit to spend about 45 minutes every day in prayer and study. And I looked at that and I thought, I'm too important for that. Spend 45 minutes a day? I can't do that. Why? I've got all these other things to do. You know, I've got to earn money. I've got to go places. I've got to do things. Everybody else signed, but I didn't sign it. Toward the end of the evening, they plugged in a video and I began watching and that preacher was preaching just to me. He said, Jim, you've piled up so much stuff in front of your door. If God does call you to go on mission for him, you'll never be able to get to the door to even answer the call. And I began, began shedding tears. Luckily, the lights were off. I hurried up, I wiped my eyes 
and they turned the lights on, the video was over, everybody began walking out the door and I still had in my hand that guide. And I'm looking at that guide thinking, what do I do? What do I do? And finally, at the very end, I signed my name. And I tell you, it was the most exciting second chance. God gave me a, an amazing second chance. And I woke up and guess what? The first thing I did when I got home, I got rid of all the premium channels on television. And I had time to study. I had time to get in God's Word again. And it became alive to me. It opened up again. I began praying and talking with God on an amazing regular basis. Why? I, sometimes I spend an hour or two hours talking with God. I would have never believed it before this time. But, but it was such an exciting experience. And my friends, you know, it's time. It's time we quit playing church get on with the business of following God and giving our lives fully and completely to Him. What kind of commitment is God asking us to make? A lawyer came to Jesus and asked one day what he had to do to inherit eternal life. An interesting response. And you shall love Jehovah your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. That was Jesus' response. The key is found in the word all. Does that describe your present experience? Well, if not, the same power that lifted me out of my prison of sin and slavery is the same power waiting for you. Ever wonder why your life doesn't reflect the powerful change that's supposed to be part of every Christian experience? Do temptations weigh on you and leave you saying, maybe I'm not trying hard enough or wondering if God's holding up his end of the deal? Could there be some secret everyone but you knows? Well, there is a well-kept secret and few Christians know about it or talk about it until now. Transformation may be the most exciting and life-changing book you'll ever read. It's not only upbeat and easy to read, but powerful in its message, the message of transformation. Jim Eyre exposes plans that have successfully kept the truth from Christians for decades. Truth that will allow you to become the happiest Christian imaginable. Don't miss out. Order Transformation today by calling 800-876-7313 or log on to transformationinfo.com. Jim was a drug dealer and alcoholic and a thief until God called him. But that was just the beginning. As someone said, he has lived six lifetimes. He became wealthy, lobbied on Capitol Hill, and was a church leader. But he was lost until God gave him a second chance. People tell us when you start reading Second Chance, you can't put it down. Your loved ones who may be wondering if God will give them a second chance will love it too. Now here's the information you need. Call us or visit us online. I came across a story by Max Locato some years ago that to me really represents the love of God. Story about Maria. Maria was such a wonderful lady, lived in a small town, had a difficult life, but it was wonderful in some ways because she just had a daughter, Christina. Unfortunately, her husband died. She had a very tough time, but now Maria was a proud lady. She was a wonderful lady, and she decided to continue working hard to raise Christina up in, in a, a little tiny hovel that she had. But as Christina grew, well, she became a beautiful lady, but as she grew up, she kept singing, Mom, I want to go to the city. I want to go to the city. Maria said, Honey, the city will only bring you heartache because 
her mother knew it would be so difficult to get a job there. She knew what would happen to Christina and how her life would change dramatically. One day, Mom walked into the bedroom and there was a note on the bed. It said, Mom, I've gone to the city. Her mother immediately knew what it meant, what was going to happen to her sweet little girl. She grabbed up a few clothes, put them in her, in her suitcase and headed down to the bus station. On the way, she stopped at the pharmacy and there at the pharmacy, they had a little place to take photos in a photo booth. She spent most of her money on photos. She, she jammed all those black and white photos in her suitcase and she got on the bus and headed to the city. She's praying the whole time. She got to the city. She began stopping and searching every sleazy hotel, every, every dive, every bar, every place that women of the night hang out. As she got to each one, she'd place a photo in the bathroom, near a mirror, down the stairwell, every place she could find the shot, maybe her daughter would, would one day discover that photo. Well, she finally ran out of, out of money, she ran out of photos, and she had to go home. Sitting on the bus was very difficult on that homeward journey because she cried the whole time thinking about her poor Christina. What would happen? About three weeks later, Christina walked down the stairs of an old hovel of a hotel. And as she got to the bottom, she looked, and there, there was a photo of her mother on a mirror. What? She choked up. Tears began to come down her eyes as she reached over and she grabbed the photo and she looked. She turned it over, and there on the back of the photo, written in her own mother's handwriting, says, Honey, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've become. I love you. Please come home. That's the way God thinks about us. That's what our Lord thinks about you and for me. It doesn't matter what we've done, what we've become. Matter of fact, maybe you've been sitting in your own church for years, but in reality, you haven't turned your life completely over to God. You haven't surrendered 100%. But God says, hey, I want a friendship with you. I, I want a relationship with you. It doesn't matter what you've done, what you've become. <laughs> come home. I love you. I ask this question of church congregations all the time. Is there anything too hard for God? What do you think? Can you think of a single thing God cannot do? Did <laughs> you give up? If you answered no, you would have had a lot of company, but you would have been wrong. There's one thing that God cannot do. He cannot save you if you will not allow him to do so. You see, the devil can't make you do anything against your will, and God won't. In other words, God will never force his way into your life. He will not push or change you or do anything if you do not ask him to do it. It's as simple as that. Your salvation, my salvation, depends upon a solid understanding of this biblical teaching. Let me share a story with you. This story is about Matthew, the tax collector. Matthew loved money. He was, he was always collecting money. I mean, people hated him for it, but he did everything he could to garner the money of this world's goods. That's all he focused on. That's all he thought about, money, money, money. But one day, Jesus came over to him and said, Matthew, follow me. <laughs> and immediately, immediately, he closed the cash register of the day. He got up and he followed Jesus. You see, our first parents gave away the right and the option of free choice to the devil. But Jesus entered this world as a man. He died to reestablish the option of free choice. Free choice to choose who our leader will be, God or the devil. Many people kid themselves into believing that they have a third option, but there is no third option. There is none that exists. 
But God's love is so liberating that even those who have served the devil for their entire lives can choose to be transformed by God's power. It's an amazing power. The Review and Herald Publishing Association has produced the best of Christian literature, helping guide people around the world into a closer walk with Jesus Christ. And they continue to be committed to bringing you the very best, helping you fall more deeply in love with your Lord. That's why they partnered with Jim Eyre to place transformation into the hands of every Christian. There's no doubt that your heart and mind will be thrilled as you read Transformation and ponder life's choices in the weekly study guide and spend quality time with family, friends, or your church group viewing this exciting 12-episode DVD series. You owe it to yourself and to those you love, Transformation. Call us today to purchase the book, study guide, the DVD series, or all three at a package price. Call 800-876-7313 or log on to transformationinfo.com. You know, Jesus was always about his father's business. On this particular day, he traveled clear across the Sea of Galilee to meet one person, a man whose home was in a graveyard. When they got to the shore, Jesus and the disciples got out of the boat and they proceeded to go near the graveyard. And when all of a sudden this man came running out of the tombs, his hair was matted, blood was coming down probably from self-inflicted wounds. He'd been cutting himself. He broke every restraint. Nothing could hold this man. While the disciples were scared to death, they took off running. And as they're heading to the boat, they get down to the boat and they turn around and Jesus wasn't with them. They turn and they look and Jesus is back with this man, this, this possessed man. Matter of fact, he had turned his life over to Satan so long, so far, so deeply that scripture tells us there could have been 2,000 demons residing in this poor, pitiful human being. But Jesus didn't leave. The screaming and the hollering, the, the viciousness of this man, Jesus stayed right there because there was something that had called out to Jesus in this man. And so Jesus came specifically to meet with him. And he got there, he had to stop. He could go no further when Jesus was there and Jesus commanded the demons to come out of him. <laughs> and all of a sudden, by the time the disciples get back from the edge of the water, they look and scripture records that this man was clothed and in his right mind. Now, where did he get the clothes? Because scripture also says he was naked in the tombs. He was naked. Where did he get the clothes? I like to think that Jesus took off his own cloak, his own righteousness, and wrapped it around this man. <laughs> How beautiful. What a beautiful example of Christ taking us and, and just, just masking all the evil that's within us. But then he didn't want to just leave him that way. Scripture also says he was in his right mind. What mind was this? Well, I believe it was the mind of Jesus Christ. This man had opened up to Jesus and Jesus transformed him. He gave him a new mind, a new heart. Philippians 2 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's the mind. God wants to give us his mind also. Jesus traveled clear across the lake to reach this one man. You and I have a similar destiny. You and I, why, we were created very unique and very special for God to do mighty things in this world. The question is, will you allow God to do it? Will you allow him to come in, transform your life, wrap his righteous robe around you, 
and also give you a new mind. What a, what a God we serve. Choose this God. He will never let you down. Do you ever wonder if God can do the same thing today like he did with the demoniac, give someone a new mind? Well, he did just that for Susan. Yes, I was raised um, going to Catholic school from ages uh, first grade to sixth grade. And um, during that time, we went to church three times a day and catechism after school and just was really involved in the Catholic life. A form of godliness, it's, it was more of, of um, going to mass and lighting the candles and being present, but it wasn't really something that I understood or took into my character. Um, we never really attended church. We only attended church while we were going to um, Catholic school. So my family didn't attend church at all. And um, when I transferred from in the sixth grade to the seventh grade into a public school is when I began to head down the wrong road. Well, I was sexually molested when I was younger and I just knew that I was never going to be um, the right person. I just felt like I was damaged, like I had a deep, dark hole inside of me. And I just searched for a way to get out, to be away from that pain. And I could just never understand why God would allow something like that to happen to me. And because um, I didn't think that I did anything to deserve it. So when I, at the age of 10, I started to drink and smoke so that I could get out of myself and be somebody different than who I was. And that just continued on and things got worse and worse the further I went down the wrong road. Uh, my drug addiction lasted for 25 years. And um, I did things that I never dreamed that I would do. And my drug addiction um, took me to places that I just had no, you know, it wasn't my plan to end up a three-time felon and in and out of jails and institutions and to ruin my life and the lives of people that I came in contact with, but that's what happened. The way that God finally got through to me was the last time that I was in jail, I met a woman and she said to me, Susan, why do you keep doing what you're doing? And I said, I know no other way. Since I was 10 years old, I was seeking to um, cover the pain that I had and that's all I knew. All I knew was being an addict and she said, can I pray with you? And I said, yes. Uh, she prayed with me. I don't even remember what she said. All I know is from that point on, I've never had the obsession to use drugs again. And my life, I knew that God was the one that freed me. God was the one that, that took that away from me. So I began to search for him as hard as I searched for drugs. So he became he became my focus, everything about, you know, I wanted to live. I, I, I did no longer wanted to kill myself. I wanted to live. And um, so um, that's what I did. Everything became different. No, I, I, the way that I look at my past is that there are always varying circumstances that are gonna happen to all of us. And now I have, I realize that God has given me a choice how I respond. See, before I thought that it was everybody's fault. I thought it was God's fault, my mom and dad's fault. Why didn't they protect me? Then it was the cop's fault and then my probation officer. But now I recognize that I have the freedom to address life the way that I want to. So bad things are gonna happen to me, but it's my choice to look at it the right way now. So no, I no longer, God's the one that saved me. You know, He's the one that sustained me through all that those 25 years of drug addiction. 
So I look to him as my savior and my redeemer and the person who has reconstructed my life because when I was in jail the last time, I was, you know, 25 pounds lighter than what I am today. My hair was falling out, my teeth were falling out. I was a mess and he has restored not only me physically, but mentally. So yeah, he's the best. <laughs> when I look at God at the, at the end of my addiction, I was incapable of looking at myself in the mirror because not only did I have my past, my past that happened to me, but I had all the years of regret, everything I had done wrong to everybody, including to myself. And I was doing drugs at the end of my addiction in order to survive because I had done so much damage. So um, when he freed me, you know, I could finally be okay with who I am. And, and he, you know, he tells us that he, we're a new creature in Christ, right? And all things have passed away. So that, I don't even know who that person is. The only time I, you know, I don't even think about it unless I want to. Everything is gone. It's all gone and I'm a new creature in Christ. What I tell people when they need to, um, when they ask me how I got out of it and what steps I took, you know, the number one thing is prayer. Seeking God and telling Him, letting Him know how weak you are and that you're not capable of doing it on your own. You don't know the choices you need to make, that you need His strength to direct you. Because if you go to Him and you tell Him, I need, because a lot of times we're saying, I don't need you, God. I don't need you for anything, but if you go to him and you tell him, I need you for everything, I need you to change my will, I need you to change my thoughts, my surroundings, he'll honor that. So it's going to God and asking him, that ultimately to me is the answer to, to the problems that we all have, whether you're an addict or not. You know what, there's nothing, you know, a lot of times when we make changes in our lives, we think that um, we're not going to be able to survive or the fear of the unknown, but there is no greater happiness than having the peace that passes all understanding because God is the only one that can give us that peace. So yes, we can definitely be happy. A friend of mine shared her daughter's door-to-door -door witnessing experience, which perfectly illustrates that Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit is still actively pursuing a love relationship with everyone. The two young ladies had been sharing Christ in the neighborhood when they ventured upon a large home with a hearse parked in the driveway. <laughs> they thought about skipping the residence altogether, but then remembered the words of their trainer, go to every home, don't pass by any of them. Gathering up every ounce of courage they could muster, they rang the bell. Within a heartbeat, a multicolored, spiked-haired, body-pierced, black-clothed, bizarre-looking man stood before them. After gathering up their composure, they invited him to sign up for Bible studies. There was a moment of pause, and then he spoke. Well, go ahead, leave the card. They gave him the card and rapidly left. Months later, while visiting a church, a handsome young man approached the girls and said, Hello! <laughs> You may not remember me, but I'm the fellow that had the hearse parked in front of the doorway at the home you came to. I was so unhappy with my life. Well, I just prayed that day that if there really was a God, he would send someone and you came. God traveled across the sea to rescue a guy living in a graveyard. He sent two young ladies to save a whacked out young man and he reached into church to save me too from eternal ruin. What do we all have in common? Well, we all realize that the devil has been lying to us about the character of God. 
the Lord will enable you to get out of the major mess we're in soon. Are you willing to let him? After all, you have everything to gain and sin and heartache to lose.